What's up, wrestling fans? It's me. It's the Duds. Just want to give you kind of a uh, intro into this WCW tastic episode we got going on. Uh, if you were tuning in for any WrestleMania 37 previews or you know something to look forward to, this ain't the podcast you're looking for. Go download any other great wrestling podcast, and there are tons of them out there. But this is an episode of myself and Will Rab talking about. Uh, WCW 20 years after the door shut and asking the question, was it actually a good thing that uh, Vince McMahon bought his competition? But if you are looking for some WWE WrestleMania 37 action, be sure and stay tuned to this very podcast feed because uh, for the very first time ever, we have a near fall reporter on the scene of WrestleMania 37 night one. We will be getting a report of how it was there with his very own eyes in addition to everything that happened. So uh, thank you so much for being a subscriber to Nearfall Radio and uh, enjoy this retrospective on WCW or World Championship Wrestling. Brother! Ladies and gentlemen, the following podcast is scheduled for one fall, or TV time remaining. And now, many people widely consider him to be the Ron Burgundy of Knoxville Radio. Several people even said, sure, he doesn't make me want to turn off the Phil show. He's lovingly known as Bourbon Boobs. And has self-proclaimed himself the Tennessee high spot. When he gets his second COVID vaccine, he's going to Orlando's, not North Carolina. Ladies and gentlemen, Landon Tone. Yay, and the crowd goes mild. By the way, how did you get the reports from our book that there are several, maybe even a handful of people that don't want to turn the radio off when they're listening to me on the Philly Show? And I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, my tag team partner. By God, he is my shoot best friend. It's Will Freakin' Rab. Rab, how are we doing this morning, noon, or evening? Which, by the way, it is a podcasting day, and you know what that means. That means we got some good shit to talk about, Dawes. I'm feeling good. Uh, didn't get blowed away in the giant storm on Thursday. Fingers crossed I don't get blowed away on the giant storm on Saturday and I can just enjoy the Sweet 16 uh, without an interruption. But I'm excited. Look, anytime we get together and podcast, I'm excited. But this is, I'm going to use the word exciting again because that's what just keeps coming to my mind. I don't feel like thinking of a synonym for uh, excited. I'm amped up, I guess, is the word. And we're going to start doing these a little bit more frequently. Uh, Some podcasts, uh, looking back on things that happened. Also, uh, some podcasts uh, just talking about, you know, the best of all time in wrestling and and memories from us being kids and being fans of the sweet science. So I am uh, fired up, my friend, uh, for this one. And we're actually recording it on a significant date, the anniversary 20 years ago. The last WCW Nitro. Yeah, it's very fortuitous uh, that we are going to be talking about where the big boys played uh, past tense. It, uh, 
I guess, emphasize there on this date because, like, growing up, like, you're you're a couple years younger than me, but we grew up in the throes of the Monday Night War, where you would you would start on one channel, flip back to the other, or if you were hardcore like me during the summer, when as a kid during the summer your only responsibilities were to try and not get somehow maimed, um, you could stay up all night and do what I did, watch Raw live from nine to eleven on USA, then stay up until three in the morning and watch the Nitro replay on WC or on TNT from three to five AM. Uh, <laughs> or or then when they bumped it from two to five AM. Holy Lord. Uh yeah, by the way, uh three hour wrestling shows were a bad idea back then. They're definitely a bad idea now, but we'll get into that. Uh yeah, I was a fan of uh, World Championship Wrestling, and we'll and we'll talk about our memories as we talk about, I guess, the rise and then the fall and then the ultimate closing of WCW, particularly the very last Nitro that uh, aired out of Panama City Beach, Florida, and one of those still up until recently a very unique venue where it was an open beach on or, or, or it was open air on the beach, like right there in De, uh, in Panama City. Uh, they had a ton of spring breakers. I think I remember seeing there were flyers for like uh, come see Nitro. And it was like like it was either free or dirt cheap beer. And that right there, like, <laughs> like around the turn of the century, <laughs> wrestling and cheap alcohol. I mean, that spoke to every frat dude walking the planet. So, uh, yeah, killer crowd that night. Um, and it's so surreal to look back on that episode of WCW Nitro because, like, just to talk about it a little bit, it opens, the very first thing you see is WWF's, it's a still time, F, Chairman Vincent Kennedy McMahon mm -hmm. as his Mr. McMahon character cutting a promo on now how he owns WCW. The fate of WCW rests in the palms of Vincent Kennedy McMahon. And like still just thinking about it, it's like, I know I watched this, but I still can't believe I watched this. Yeah, ab absolutely. Now, first of all, let me say, it is... I, it, in some regards, probably a minor miracle that it ever stuck with me to be a fan of professional wrestling because it wasn't one of those things where it was like, hey, how did you get into wrestling? Well, you know, my dad was a wrestling fan and he was a big Hulk Hogan fan and then we'd watch, you know, the Hulkster together. Um, the 90s were a time where wrestling was uh, dirty. Mm -hmm. uh, to say the least, uh, the Attitude Era, we could do a whole episode, uh, probably will do a whole episode at some point looking back on the Attitude Era uh, that Vince Russo helped usher in and quite frankly helped uh, the WWE, uh, the WWF at the time win the Monday Night Wars uh, somewhat, uh, certainly uh, the stupidity of people in charge of WCW expedited things. Um <laughs> But I don't ever really remember as a kid. Now, I've gone back over the years uh, and, and, and watched a lot of stuff from WCW. Obviously, I knew it was around. Uh, you knew about Hulk Hogan, so you knew that Hogan was at WCW. Uh, I can remember, you know, WCW uh, monster trucks. Hogan had a monster truck for a while, I think, and, and Sting. And the NWO had a, had a monster truck, and I can remember that because like they wouldn't tell you who was actually driving the NWO monster truck, and he wouldn't do interviews and stuff, um, and that was a work. Uh, but 
first of all, I should say, like, my parents didn't necessarily condone me watching wrestling. So, like, I would sneak around and watch it here and there and in bits and pieces and hear innuendo of stuff that happened in school. So, I mean, WCW was long gone before, like, I was watching wrestling uh, weekly, which makes it interesting that, like, I'm a fan of the, the business today. Because my parents definitely would have, I would have gotten in trouble if they would have, you know, come in my room or whatever. And, you know, I'm watching Austin 316 give somebody a beer bath and, and flip the bird. <laughs> and I was, this was in like 97, 98. So I would have been like 10 years old. As I got older, I started to watch it a little bit more regularly. And then, you know, once I was off into college, you do whatever the hell you want. So I was a really that's when I got hardcore into watching the product and going back and learning about the history of it. I could remember uh, if I watched anything, probably it would have been uh, figuring out how to watch ECW on Friday nights on TNN when I was mm-hmm. a kid. But, you know, that said, obviously WCW left a big impact on the, on the sport, even if I didn't consume it as it was happening. Well, it's, it's interesting, like, when you say your parents didn't exactly condone you watching professional wrestling during, I guess, the mid to late 90s, during the throes of the Attitude Era. I've always been a lifelong wrestling fan. Like, I've told this story uh, maybe on this podcast, but definitely on other podcasts I've appeared on. Literally, my first memory of being on this planet is watching the Heart Foundation fight demolition with my papa. So when I say I am a lifelong wrestling fan... I am a lifer when it comes to the sweet science. So I, and I've always grown up with wrestling. So I think in my parents' minds, they always equated wrestling to being, you know, Hulk Hogan, the ultimate warrior, um, Bret Hart, you know, good guys triumphing over evil. I have an idea if they had any inclination of what was going on during the Attitude Era, during the Monday Night Wars, and the previously mentioned uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin throwing birds, uh, drinking beer, uh, Sable showing her boobies on USA Network, D-Generation X walking around telling everybody to suck it. I have a feeling they might have done some things differently because the only time I think they were ever aware of what actually happened in uh, in the, the world of wrestling at that point. There are two instances. I got in trouble at school for telling somebody to suck it, and they asked me where I uh, heard such a horrible language. I said, well, I learned it from wrestling, which, by the way, kids, if you're out there, first of all, if you're a kid, you probably shouldn't be listening to this podcast. Second of all, never throw your favorite form of entertainment under the bus when you get nope. in trouble, because that will get it taken away from you, because that's exactly what they did. The second time, my dad walked in one time when Sable just happened to be on, uh, on Raw, and he's like, what are you watching? I'm watching wrestling. And he just kind of looked at the TV, looked at me, looked back at the TV, and just walked out. My dad's thinking, well, at least he's interested in girls, so that's probably a good thing. But, uh, <laughs> but um, which, which, again, it's so weird that my parents didn't exactly contone it. Uh, two really good wrestling memories. Uh, when our little small local cable company got bought out by Comcast, uh, there was a time... Uh, that the pay-per-view channels got unscrambled. And so my dad and I watched the entire... Uh, remember when WWE did uh, European pay-per-views? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. They would have, it, like, I Insurrection and shit like that. Yeah, Insurrection or something. So we watched uh, Stone Cold and The Rock wrestle. We watched that entire pay-per-view one night because it just came on magically. 
<laughs> quote uh, that, unquote. It, yeah, the, the, somehow the pay-per-view channels were all just uh, unscrambled. One day we're flipping through, and we literally when I was a kid, like the first 10, 12 years of my life, we had 30 cable channels. Um, and then one day I'm flipping through, and all of a sudden, like channel 99, there's like pay-per-view football and wrestling. It's like, this is amazing. It's Nothing so watching will ever w- this. <laughs> WWF Insurrection. And then West Virginia Big East pay-per-view football games. That, yeah, that reminds me. They used to run college football games on pay-per-view. Like, yep. like could you imagine, like, uh, back in the day, watch or paying fifty nine ninety nine to watch Peyton Manning play like UTC or something like that? That's why uh, they would had no problem selling those third tier rights to ESPN and the SEC Network because eventually folks didn't want to buy. Uh, uh, SEC football pay-per-views anymore, and it's Tennessee and, and the University of Montana. Yep, mm-hmm, yeah. Ain't nobody watching that. No, <laughs> but that that was a memory. And then actually the first wrestling show I ever went to uh, was in Memphis at the Pyramid, which is now a giant Bass Pro Shop, so it was an episode of SmackDown. <laughs> and Kurt Angle and uh, Wrestling Voldemort uh, fought over the shitty plastic trophy that they won from winning the SmackDown Tag Team Tournament. And then Stephanie McMahon came out there and made him fight in the main event. And then they broke the trophy on top of her. Well, yeah, uh, as we all know, if if there's any trophy in wrestling, you know by the end of the night, somebody's catching that thing upside of the head. And and I could only imagine that you saw a hell of an entertaining main event between the Olympic gold medalist and the previously mentioned wrestling Voldemort. Uh, Yes, that was was really good. And then, of course, since it was Memphis, they had to let uh, Kang... Oh, of course. And do his, and, and do his shticks. So that was pretty cool. I can say I saw Jerry Lawler wrestle in Memphis. So uh, those were the good wrestling memories, despite my parents not necessarily approving me uh, watching wrestling. And now this has to do with the death of WCW, but it is just kind of setting the stage for a wrestling fandom. I definitely can say, as much as I was like a hardcore WWE guy up until the last few years when I got out of wrestling, I think if I had been a product of the 80s and – in seventies, certainly, I'd have been a, a Jim Crockett NWA guy all the way, talking Turner Time six oh five pro wrestling after the Braves. Game. Yeah, there it is, six oh freaking five. I still remember every Saturday night six oh five WCW Saturday night would come on, and whether I'm at home, whether I'm on vacation, whether I'm in Memphis uh, to get surgery done at the Shea Clinic, I still remember. Uh, my family had to wrap up whatever they were doing one Saturday when we were down there uh, for me to get ear surgery the following uh, Monday. Uh, we had to be done by 6.05 and back in the hotel room so I could watch Clash of Champions. But we didn't take into account the whole, you know, going from Eastern to Central time zone. So when we got back to my hotel room... The, the event was already an hour into it, and I was just crestfallen. Like, like Little Landon was destroyed. Oh, I can only destroyed. imagine. Like, like of course, I, I clearly got over it because I had bigger fish on my uh, plate to deal with. But it's like, 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 when I say wrestling has always been there in my life, it's like I do yep. think if I had to choose one side or another during the Monday Night War, I probably would have cho- chosen uh, WWF. 
but I don't think it's by a whole lot because like some of my favorite memories of professional wrestling come from world championship wrestling. You talked about your very first wrestling show. My very first wrestling show was a WCW house show that took place here in Knoxville, Tennessee. And my dad, the day of the event, uh, sprung for floor tickets. So we were like three rows back. Uh, I still remember, um, um, Johnny B. Bad at the time, now Mark Marrow, came out with his confetti gun and shot confetti over to the crowds. For the longest time, I held on to A, the confetti, and B, the wooden coins that came out of his confetti cannon. I remember another WCW show where me and my buddy Jay, we got front row tickets for a house show and my and my uh uncle is a very good artist so he knew i was going to this show he 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 made a poster board of sting's face like a a photo realistic uh picture of sting on this poster so out comes the stinger for the main event against wcw world heavyweight champion rick flair sting comes out first because you know the champion is going to come out second while we're waiting for Ric Flair to come out of the curtain, Sting sees my poster, turns and talks to me. He's like, hey, man, that's a really good poster. And this was, you know, when he uh, went with the uh, the brown hair. The picture I had was of, you know, uh, surfer Sting with the blonde spiked hair. He's like, yeah, it's like, hey, great picture. Uh, I, I, I dig the look with the, uh, with the old dude. I'm like, yes, Stinger, that's great, isn't it? And then it's like I have some other memories of uh, WCW house shows, like of all the federations that I've gone to WCW I think I went to the most house shows and uh, I've only I've only been to two Monday Night Raws in my entire life but I went to two uh, WCW Nitros in the time that uh, Nitro was running and touring so it's like I went to a lot of WCW shows growing up so even though yeah I mean like DX was cool the NWO was cooler I mean, yes, it did get kind of weird and bloated when like uh, Virgil joined and uh, and 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 the IRS Wolfpack. joined. Like, I, I'm gonna go to bat for the Wolfpack because yeah. I was down with the Wolfpack. And you uh, uh, best watch your back, or you might wind up in a body bag. Throw it up. Uh, and by the way, they were doing it before the Bullet Club. But anyway, like, <laughs> uh, I I. I I dug me some WCW, like like as a Southern boy who uh, grew up on wrestling, I watched a whole lot of world championship wrestling back in the day. Yeah, like I definitely watched when I would kind of watch sporadically, and I think that was kind of more the, the cultural phenomenon in wrestling was talking about WWE and Stone Cold and The Rock and stuff like that. That's what my friends were uh, into that were into wrestling. Uh, but definitely I think a lot of, and not a hundred percent and not every, one of the things I like about AEW is that, you know, it's not just from show to show, segment to segment. It's so different what they present because it is a melting pot of wrestling. It is kind of, you know, an indie show on television. Um, I definitely like that WCW Southern wrestling style. Um, and I think it's why I'm drawn uh, to wrestlers today. And, and by the way, all those, I mean, that is, that is so cool, all those house show stories. House shows are so fun. Oh, house shows are the best. Like, like, like I know everybody thinks they want to go to, like, uh, TV tapings. As somebody who's been to quite a few of both, house shows are, are, are way better because the performers, A, get to try out stuff that you might end up seeing on television. 
And B, they just get to go out there and have fun. Like I remember a WWE house show uh-huh. a few years ago where like it was it was uh the Miz and Fondango were featured in a match, and the match didn't start for like five minutes because they each kept like getting up on the on the ring ropes for the audience to cheer for them. And say what you will about him in ring. I'm actually a big fan of the Miz, but the Miz might be the most entertaining wrestler to see at a house show because he would get out of the ring, jaw jack with the people in the front row, scream how he is not a chicken. And then that would lead to a, you're a chicken chant. Like, like house shows <laughs> kick ass y'all like, <laughs> like, like go get your vaccine so I can get back to going to GD house shows. Damn it. Hey, we might even be able to go to an AEW house show too soon because they're going to start doing those. Oh my God! Can you imagine? Yes, they, please they were supposed you. to do about twenty of those a year, but COVID. Damn you, COVID! Yeah, but no, I I saw I can't remember who he, who he was working at the time, but I saw a fantastic CM Punk house show match in Knoxville at the Civic Coliseum on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, thanks, Cumulus Prize Closet. Um, <laughs> yep, I've, I've been able to go to a lot of uh, wrestling events through work. Uh, yeah. all, although, my favorite thing to all happen all time at a live event I was at, they were actually taping Impact at the Civic Coliseum. They taped like two weeks of television in like three hours. And uh, they hit the music, and Matt Morgan, the blueprint, supposed to come out. And Christy Hemme or whoever the F was doing the, the, the ring intros is like, you know, goes through the ring intro. This contest is set for yada yada, introducing from wherever. Matt Morgan. Silence. Everybody's just sitting there <laughs> waiting for him to come out of the tube. I guess he must have been on the crapper or something because he wasn't at Gorilla <laughs> when his name was called. So what did they do? It wasn't live. Take it from the top. Yep. Take yep. two, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, also, beer a, money kicked that's, ass that's in the main fantastic. event. And I wish that was still a thing because that was a good. That was a good group. But anyway, oh, we're, shit. We're, that, uh, that just reminded me of another WCW house show memory. This was when the NWO first came out. Like on their T-shirts, it was just the letters NWO. It didn't even have New World Order written underneath it. Like, like uh, I go out uh, during intermission. Everybody's huddled around the the merch table. They want to get you know their their Macho Man shirts, their Sting shirts, their Four Horsemen shirts, their Four Horsemen foam uh, four fingers. Which, by the way, I kind of regret not having one of those now. And then off to the side, literally set up at just a card table. Like, is some dude wearing an NWO shirt saying, hey, all that stuff down there is cool. You want to be part of the cool crowd? You get yourself an NWO shirt. So what did little Landon do? He walked his ass down there, gave gave that man a 20, and joined the New World Order. Like, like, ugh. Man, house shows are the best. It's it's it really it really is it is fun and ho- something I hope we can get back to soon. But to get this kind of back on track, like I think <laughs> having gone back and I watched because I have the DVD box set and I even eventually went back and watched like all six hours of all the bonus matches and stuff. I have the DVD box set of the rise and fall of ECW. I watched the rise and fall of. Uh, WCW, which unfortunately wasn't as good, and I think it's because Vince McMahon still wanted to piss on Ted Turner. Because mm-hmm. uh, like the rise and fall of ECW is like legit, like two and a half hours of telling the story of ECW. And the rise and fall of WCW is about an hour and a half, and it probably could be about three. Um, you know, and I think the WWE did some 
AWA documentaries, and I've watched everything you can watch about world-class championship wrestling and anything I could get my hands on when it was on Netflix before it went to the network and anything I've found since. Because, uh, you know, sometimes your buddy's nice and let you use his uh, password or you look at stuff on YouTube because um, I ain't giving Vince McMahon my money. It's going to uh, be harder now that it's on Peacock. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, you know, it, that'll, that'll, that'll be free on my television, some promo deal to keep me from canceling my subscription to wherever I can get my TV from now. There you go. Um, I definitely think the way they did stuff in WCW, I think the characters, like you talk about, you know, Ric Flair, pretty much his entire career was either NWA, working the territories, or working WCW besides a brief WWF run before he came back in the 2000s. Uh, as a as a figurehead more than anything. And he brought uh, the big gold belt with him, too. Yep. Mm. Wow. Uh, so you talk about Ric Flair. Uh, you know, and this is kind of pre-WCW, but he kind of spans in between. You talk about Sting, uh, the Four Horsemen. Uh, the Macho Man ended up in WCW at some point. Now, maybe that's why they went out of business because they, you know, were kind of like the Florida Marlins and bought a World Series championship a couple times and then had to fire sell it. Yeah. Uh, but the way, just the, the people they had, the way they presented the product did definitely ingrain to me, this is how you do pro wrestling. Uh, versus WWF that until they got into the Attitude Era was very cartoony. With their characters. Uh-huh. And I I think, like, I get, like, the aspect of you got to draw in the kids. Because once you draw in the kids, they're fans for life. But there's, like, staying power to the authentic presentation, the Southern style of wrestling. Like, John Moxley's not a character. John Moxley's a dude who, like, this is the taking it to the present day, who likes to kick ass and be world champ, and presumably sleep with his smoking hot wife. Like, Mm -hmm. you can get behind that as a 30-something-year-old guy. Like, I can't get behind Doink the Clown. I just want to beat him up. Just like, for whatever reason, not that I particularly hate mascots, but I've always just wanted to, like, knock the crap out of one because I figure that costume's padded, right? I so, mean, yes, as somebody who was friends with people uh, and characters at Disney, there is some padding. Not nearly as uh, much as you would think, by the way. I would be careful about bad-mouthing uh, mascots, otherwise Gritty will come for your soul. I'm not, sca- I'm not, I'm not scared of Gritty. Dude, dude, do not, t- do not tempt fate. We've already had I'm, enough tragedy I'm, in this world, Will Rab. I'm friends with Nash. I'll be all right. Nash is cool, but Gritty's Gritty, buddy. Yeah, it'd be all right. I'll take my chances. Uh, but I just, that's like the last, like, I know it's not solely WCW that created that, but all that of like the being authentic with wrestling, and I get people, guys still have stage names, but like John Moxley's really not a character. John Moxley is, is himself turned up to 11, right? Chris Jericho always talks about be yourself, turn it up to 11. Eddie Kingston is... Yeah. himself turned up to like 15 uh ray ray phoenix and penta are themselves turned up to 15 plus they might have snorted some white powder before they <laughs> <laughs> went to the curtain <laughs> jesus christ um <laughs> I, I, that's just some work i'm not saying they're doing drugs but you know they you remind have to you throw of in an allegedly come on yeah allegedly um, clones yeah 
Uh, just go back and listen to the end of of uh, Shivani talking with the the Dark Order, and he was like, well, "I'm gonna make this clear: we're not doing drugs backstage at AEW." Yeah, this we cannot a, emphasize enough how much we are not doing wor- drugs. <laughs> <laughs> but that 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 realism, I think, comes from the Southern style of wrestling. Because, like, can you imagine going in the territory days, going down to like Mid South wrestling in like you know, a bingo hall in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, trying to be Doink the fucking clown. Well, hold on, hold on. You've been bagging on Doink a whole lot. Heel Doink was legitimate awesome when they turned him into like, (laughs) oh, the kids like the clown, so we're going to give him a a miniature version of himself and we're going to call him Dink. Then it got bad. But yeah, I... I, I, Okay, that's (laughs) not going to... Not trying to (laughs) single out, but you know the... No, yeah, absolutely. The, yeah, it's, it, it, the it's, style it, and the way, the way they presented things in the '80s in WWF was there weren't people; there were people playing characters. So you had I don't know Dawes throw out help help me out here. So oh, I have to keep buddy, going on here we clown. go. Yes, because this was when I was watching wrestling. You didn't have people playing characters; you had people having jobs who were also wrestlers. You had Duke the Dumpster Drosy, the wrestling garbage man. You had. T.L. Hopper, the wrestling plumber. You had characters like Mantar, half man, half centaur, full wrestler. Um, you had other dumb stuff like uh, Fantasio, I think his name was, uh, the wrestling magician. Uh, yeah, uh, you had Man Mountain Rock, the guy that would come out and play a guitar solo and then would wrestle. So yeah, that was... Oh, don't forget the goon, the wrestling hockey player. Yes, which, 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 which there, Yes, there are some people who... Uh, I think Jericho himself talked about WWF at the time, reached out to him, seeing if he wanted to uh, come up for a character, and right after he said no, that's when the goon debuted. So I think Jericho himself has speculated. It's like, oh my God, were they going to make me the goon? And don't forget... ECW alum, Just Incredibles run in WWE. He was the man of war, Aldo Montoya, who wore a yellow jock strap on his face as a mask. Well, I mean, even like the guys who were at the top, right? Like uh, the real Hulk Hogan's a racist piece of crap. Uh, hot, I feel like uh, I feel like even though we've all heard the video, unfortunately, I, th- I feel like we need to throw out an allegedly because I don't want to get Gawker sued. Come on, buddy. And you know what I mean? <laughs> um, like, like, like not. OK, when he got to WCW, Hollywood Hogan's a character, too. Like, I get it's all kind of a character, but like uh, I'm a real American Hulk Hogan. Like, that's some over the top crap, like the ultimate warrior, even like I'm not saying uh-huh. it's not good. Uh the mot the the macho man is just Randy Savage turned to eleven. Yes, Randy yes, Savage that, was like, just like, insane. Uh-huh. That was not a character. Yes, yes, he 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 legitimately believed first name macho, last name man. Randy Savage yeah. was himself whenever he stepped into the ring, and but instead of turning it to eleven, he cranked it to hundred and eleven. But yeah, it's like like uh, you had uh, other characters like Yokozuna. Um, you had uh, the British Bulldog. Um, you had Vader for a little bit, even though Vader kicks ass. But it's like yeah, these are these are people playing characters, not necessarily themselves, and it really felt like. WCW had been doing that the entire time. You believed that the members of the Four Horsemen were out there sleeping with the prettiest girls in that town, uh, eating filet mignon, eating steak, uh, staying up all night, woo, riding Space Mountain. You believed that. Where, well, where I mean, Rick, Rick Flair was. I mean, yes, you watch yes, the ESPN uh-huh. documentary. 
Oh my and god! And the stories that Jr. can tell about Ric Flair, by God. Yeah. Um. By the way, still glad you're with us, uh, Ricky. Oh yeah, but I, I just that's to me. And look, we're gonna we the, the whole point to talk about this was 20 years since WCW went away, but we really wanted to talk in the first part of this about you know. I think that is a big part of what WCW left behind was the style of wrestling uh, that they made mainstream because they brought that Southern, Mid-South, mm-hmm. uh, Mid-Atlantic, Georgia State Championship Wrestling, NWA Territory style of wrestling, that real Southern wrestling. That's where wrestling comes yep. from mm-hmm. is – WCW, WCW, and 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 it, it it's interesting you talk about how that Georgia State style. It's like a lot of the biggest nitros, and a lot of a lot of their biggest events in pay per view history they happened in the South, if not outright in Atlanta, Georgia, because that was the hub of WCW. Well, I mean, Cody Rhodes talks about falling in love with wrestling and thinking. I think. I'm either it's either Cody or Dustin, whatever. One of the roads. I might have got them mixed up. Who cares? Um, I don't think they're listening, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, we're gonna for the for the the sake of this conversation, we're gonna say it's Cody talking about being at the McKenzie Arena, which is where Dawes in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Ah, the Chattanooga. And he's backstage because, like, it's not like Dusty let him go up and down the road with him every week, but every now and again, you know, you get to come to a show. And he's backstage, and two guys are performing, and they do a move. And I don't know exactly what it is. Let's just say you know, they do a high spot off the ropes. And then the crowd loses their mind, and he hears a pop for the very first time. There's something special about this part of the country in wrestling. Absolutely. Yeah, like I mean, y- you hear about the stories of the of the Mimas that would uh, hit the heels with their purse up on the guardrail. That happened in the South. That is the South, and and I, hell, I'm there's a whole lot of Southern heritage that I'm not proud of. That is one aspect of Southern heritage I'm very proud of. But uh, like I, man, just waxing nostalgia on W. This makes me miss WCW, and it makes me so glad that there's something like AEW All Elite Wrestling, which, yes. by the way, is back on the Turner Network. Like, like wrestling on the Turner Network feels like as God intended it. Just something about it makes me feel oh, dude, so good. See, seeing it during March Madness, I don't know if they've because you know they can put together different ad packages uh, for like CBS compared to like TBS or the other Turner stations, but seeing the AEW ads and seeing the way Turner has really embraced AEW. I mean, they are marketing it when they just like it just the other night there was like just a general promo for programming on W on, on TNT and like selling what the brand of TNT mm-hmm. is. And of course there's like a 10 second clip of the NBA cause that's like their signature property. Yep. Uh, and then there's, you know, Hey, look, this cool action movie. Cause like Turner, you know, is going to be the one if like a Marvel movie or something's going to play yeah, I was on going TV. To say, yeah, uh-huh. Here's or, or, the DC, or the DC or any of that, you know, the cool superhero movies are going to be on TNT because they're all about drama. And then there's a 10 second clip of AEW like that, not that it's not just on Turner and Turner's like, well, yeah, sure. We can give you like two hours on Saturday. Cause you're going to pay us, you know, a couple million dollars uh, for that airtime. Plus whatever your production costs are. 
No, it's like Turner is in Turner is invested in the success of AEW. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And that's so cool to see because that does remind you of WCW, even though maybe they kind of led to the demise of WCW is Turner bought it and uh, all of a sudden they're just throwing cash at stuff uh, because, you know, why not? Uh, we're based out of Atlanta, so let's throw cash at things like we're at a, a strip club in Atlanta. Make it right. Well, and, and, and staying on TNT being uh, so uh, – I almost want to say proud, but I do think they are kind of proud of having a product like All Elite Wrestling. Yes, it's not killing it in the ratings, but in this day and age, it's like like I've seen some people compare like the ratings uh, to what Raw, SmackDown, AEW, NXT, hell, even Impact are pulling to the stuff that happened like during the Attitude Era. It's like okay, that is literally time. comparing apples to or- that. No, that's not even apples to oranges. That's comparing apples to spare tires. They are two drastically different yes. things. But like on on T. TNT's Twitter banner, very prominently displayed. You already mentioned they got all the superheroes. They got uh, the NBA. They got, um, like, the Impractical Jokers or some crap like that. But they also have a picture of Chris Jericho and John Moxley. And in their bio, it says, Darby Allen is our champion. So, I mean, like, TNT is very much invested in AEW. And it's so refreshing because, like, like I guess this is when we'll pivot into, I guess, the uh, the rise and fall conversation. At the very end of WCW's life, mm-hmm. Nitro was their highest rated show, but that didn't stop them from canceling Nitro because for whatever reason, they wanted to get, quote, out of the wrestling business because... This was on the last episode of the Arn podcast with the uh, pod father, Conrad Thompson. Arn talked about how TNT wanted to make their network more attracted or more, uh, I guess, sexy, so to speak, to some advertisers. And for, and for whatever reason, rightly or wrongly, fair or not, wrestling has a connotation with it, a somewhat mm-hmm. negative connotation. So... Turner wanted to drop it. It's like I, I still remember very vividly in the uh, in the Monday Night Wars documentary on the WWE Network. By the way, fantastic series. Um, they're interviewing DDP, and he says when he found out that uh, that they were being canceled, he said, "Well, it's your highest rated show." And then they go, "Well, you know that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter right now." And and so it's so refreshing to see. Turner do a 180 on that stance, but at the yeah. same time, I'm not going to lie. There's a small cynical part in the back of my mind. It's like, oh God, what if they do that again to AEW? Yeah, I think the good news is it's a it's a it's a different time. I think you know you can present it uh, different differently. Wrestlers can uh, cross over. I think we're well removed from the Attitude Era. I'm not saying some edgy stuff still doesn't happen in WWE, still doesn't happen in AEW. Especially in AEW. Shout out to Thunder Rose and Britt Baker. Um, Or, uh, you know, that really bad segment a couple weeks ago with Kenny and Don Callis. Uh, and I'm not even going to try to get back into what they were Oh, my about. God. I'd forgotten. Okay, you know what? Sex they, acts. 69 me, Don. That was said on broadcast freaking time. Are you <laughs> kidding me? That is some amateur hour horseshit. Yeah. Wow. The, I just think it's interesting. What? Because, like, WCW went out of business 20 years ago this week. Today was the mm-hmm. last show. Yep. So that was 2001. So in 2001, TNT 
continues their long-standing contract with the NBA because, you know, much like with the Braves, they had started covering local Atlanta sports on TNT and TBS. And then that evolved into, hey, we'll get a national contract because we're kind of a cable station at this point. And so they have that. They had just started covering – or they hadn't broadcast one yet because they didn't pick up to the second half of the season. They had just picked up NASCAR. But they got to find – you know, wrestling isn't sexy enough. They can't figure out how to package that together. Really, you can't figure out how to package together wrestling and NASCAR. Like, so like, that was hmm. – that has always struck me that TNT wanted to get out of the wrestling business as executives. And look, I can understand it partially from, you know, again, you look back, and I'm just going to lump WCW and WWF together in that attitude era of what they were doing and ECW. And I get that wrestling's always had a connotation because people can't get over. They're like, oh, well, you might be an idiot to watch that because that's a fake fight. It's not real. Well, yeah, like neither is anything else you watch on television. Like, yeah, yeah. You, you, you remember that Marvel movie that made a billion dollars? That's not real either. You remember Game of Thrones fantasy. that won all those? That's not real either. It's like, that, that, that's one thing I never understood. It's like, yes, we're aware, but we're still enjoying it. It's called a television show. We know, like, like this isn't a shoot fight. Like, like yes, thank you for being that guy. And guess what? It's a sports-based reality slash soap opera program. Yep. If you can't wrap your head around that, then like it's not for you. It's but, like the days of their lives, but with folding chairs. Yeah, like, but I I can get how in the late '90s, early 2000s, because I, again, I'm not going to try to remember, but let's <laughs> think about in the late '90s, early 2000s when you would come out of break, whether it was WCW or WWF, especially because what they'd have like the slam of the week, the hit of the week or whatever. And it was mm-hmm. sponsored by like JVC tower power, what a hundred collect or, or yeah. Slacker sl- energy pills, Stacker or two Stacker, or slim go, yeah. gym, <laughs> slim gym or something like it wasn't, you know, it wasn't sponsored by Coca-Cola. No, no, they, there was a very specific type of advertising. It was kind of low. Yeah. It was lower. It was lower brow stuff. And I don't know if that's because that's who they thought they needed to market to. Cause that was their demographic or if, you know, just higher class quote unquote, higher class advertisers didn't want anything to do with it. But I don't think that's the, I really don't think that's the case anymore. Not that that's the point of this podcast, but I think that was the conundrum. You, yet you have this really highly rated show, but like Who's wanting to buy it? Because, mm-hmm. you know, tennis doesn't rate exceptionally high. Golf, uh, outside of the majors, I don't think rates exceptionally high. But Mercedes-Benz and Rolex sponsor that. And so they'll p- pay premium rates because if a niche audience of rich people are watching golf and tennis, you're going to sell them Mercedes-Benzes and Rolexes. Yep. And apparently, you know, I guess the perception is wrestling is you're going to sell redneck Slim Jims and beer. I mean, to be fair, I do buy a lot of both Slim Jims and and and. and oh, don't get me wrong. Like beer and Slim Jims are delicious. <laughs> I mean, like literally over my shoulder right now, I have a Macho Man Randy Savage Slim Jim container sitting very uh, proudly on um, on a display in my living room. So I am I mean, all of about all the, Slim Jims. All the Macho Man gifts, cream of the crop aside. Because that's on its own pedestal. 
The second best is him, the gifts of him doing the Slim Jim commercial. Oh, absolutely. Like, like his impact with the Slim Jim commercials, and I, this is 100% true. The day that the Macho Man Randy Savage passed away, they shut down the Slim Jim factory. That is how synonymous he was with the Slim Jim brand and how synonymous the Slim Jim brand was with him. Man, it's just figuring out how to market. It's like, you know, again, we talked about NASCAR. NASCAR had its its bubble in the late 90s, early 2000s. It rose to this height that nobody ever thought it could. It overcame being a royal sport, a, a rural southern sport, excuse me. Rural. <laughs> the rural juror. Sure. Yeah, I, I was like, oh, my God, I just had a, a Jenna Maroney. <laughs> I just, Will just, ha- Will just had a stroke in the middle of his sentence. The rural um, juror. What's the name of her movie? I don't know, and at this point, I'm too embarrassed to ask. Southern rural sport. It overcame that stereotype. It got out over its skis. It's building itself back up. They're going to have a weird, uh, interesting experiment this weekend on a dirt on a dirt track with cars that aren't built for that. But whoop de doo, um, you have to. I think you have to figure out how to find your audience. I think you kind of get yourself sometimes in trouble in trouble if you're too broad, but they don't know how to sell you. If you can hit a specific niche, you do better. And I almost think wrestling now can do that. Like they have their niche that they. Uh, can hit with the advertisers, but then also it can be a really good vehicle to promote people to watch TNT. Like, sure, AEW needs to have, you know, uh, State Farm and and the other, like, big corporate sponsors, Cracker Barrel and stuff like that, uh, to be successful. But it's also successful for Turner if almost a million people watch AEW every Wednesday and you can let them know that there's these other cool shows that you can watch. Yeah, like I'll I'll be completely honest. I've definitely uh, either watched live or recorded a movie that I saw advertised on Dynamite. So I mean, like like obviously I'm going to be I, watching AEW. I, the I didn't time. I didn't watch it, but I think a big part of the you know because the it, the Go Big Show was a success for TBS was because you could promote it through AEW. Yeah, and we got that awesome Snoop Dogg remix of Cody Rhodes theme song. Yeah. God in heaven. But the, the the rise and fall of WCW obviously had their heyday. 83 Weeks is the name of an Eric Bischoff podcast for a reason. Uh, you know, they did ex- ascend to a level that nobody ever has to challenge the WWF. And you had two legitimate, not number one, number two, you had two legitimate number one wrestling companies uh, at a time. It's interesting to see, though, that WCW eventually uh, lost their way. Yeah. But I think if you go back, if you go back and you talk to anybody who worked there, like I think Jericho could have told you at some point he saw the writing on the wall. Tony Schiavone totally wishes he would have stayed at Coliseum Video and not gone back to WCW for a reason. So, uh, as many good memories as we had as many good things as WCW had hell they did a free pay-per-view every year you talked about clash of the champions they did a free pay-per-view every year just cuz mm-hmm. um what they did on monday nights i think they helped steer WWF then that became WWE in a direction where they may have kind of become irrelevant um 
if they hadn't had to adjust and get more edgy and embrace the Attitude Era of the 90s to combat WCW, who really subsisted on star power uh, because they were able to throw money at Hogan and 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 Hall and they already Nash. had Ric Flair and they had Hall and Nash and they brought the Macho Man over and all this stuff mm-hmm. like Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan should have wrestled in a WWE ring and they never did. I still can't in their believe prime. that didn't happen. And the 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 match of all matches, the clash of all titans happened in WCW. So you had they, Ric they, Flair in house for a WrestleMania, and instead of putting Hogan again, we get Hogan versus Sid. Who the fuck wanted that? Sorry, mm, sorry. And, but you know, like, so for all the good stuff it did, it also was very clear that you know they rarely, if ever, had good management for long, and they spent a lot of money. So I think at the end of the day, even though they were highly rated, they also at the end of the day were costing Turner a lot of money because they were having to pay the bill for all that. So they were, you know, they were, they, they were the, they were the draw on TNT. They were the highest rated show uh, in between reruns of dinner and a movie. Um, I liked dinner and a movie. Shut uh, up. Rand. Dinner and a movie was so good. Like any, I will make a joke once a baseball season when there's a rain delay or something that uh, stay tuned for updates right now. Stay tuned for either, Dinner in a movie or monkeyed movies on the Superstation. <laughs> or Mama's Family. Don't forget Mama's, Mama's Family. Mama's Family, lot of yes. <laughs> but yeah, I, I do get what you're saying. And, and I think everything changed for WCW when the AOL Time Warner merger yes. happened and yes. Ted Turner was removed from power because, like, and if, when I, Ted Turner had a say, Ted Turner was going to have wrestling on exactly. one of his stations yeah. because. Mm-hmm what wrestling did to help him build his empire. Buster Turner, I think, actually really enjoyed wrestling, as as as, as he would refer to it. But it's like, it's, as soon as they removed that protection, because you are right, it's, it, it, if the buck stopped with Ted, WCW was going to be okay, and WCW was going to get what they wanted. But as soon as they removed Ted from power, I think that was really the beginning of the end for WCW. And, and it's... <sighs> It's 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 disappointing, but at the same time, like like you said, there was a whole lot of negativity swirling around the world of professional wrestling. Like, yeah, our age group was really all about it, but the WWE side of it, they created the right right to censor group to answer the actual parent groups that were pissed off at the product that they were putting out, saying it wasn't great for kids, which. I mean, yep. we go back to the conversation at the start yeah, exactly, of all this of yeah. my parents not uh-huh. exactly being kosher with me watching wrestling. Yeah, maybe they did have a point. That said, I got two words for them, suck it, and uh, and that's the bottom line because Stone Cold said so. Um, but it, I don't know, um, it's a bummer because like – like 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 you you talked about how we didn't have a one and a two when it came to WCW and WWF. I actually do think we had a one and a two. At one point, WWF was the two. Like like this is the closest that the WWF has ever come outside of the government trying to sue Vince McMahon for steroids. To, to going out of business. Exactly. I, 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 yeah. I get that. But I get that you had you had two behemoths on equal footing. You you had a winner and loser every week. You know WCW. Had better ratings, made a little bit more money for a while. WWF would claw back, and it's 
WCW had the hot shot booking where it felt like WWF had the slow build to get you to the pay-per-view. You talked about how WCW gave away free pay-per-views with Clash of Champions or or super cards like they did with uh, uh, Clash of Champions. You have to remember, like I, I made reference to it earlier, one of the biggest nights in all of WCW Nitro history happened. I think it was like July 7th or July 6th one year when Goldberg, with his 100-plus win streak, took on Hollywood Hulk Hogan and pinned him one, two, three in the middle of the ring. Like That right there was a fantastic night for professional wrestling. I still remember where I was watching that match like me my brother my, my friend hunter we were all watching it live we were jumping up and down screaming that goldberg toppled the nwo they gave that away on free tv yeah they popped a hell of a rating but can you imagine what the buy rate would have been if they kind of slow build this like make goldberg go through every member of the nwo i mean like there was some of that but like put roadblock after roadblock after roadblock yeah in front of Goldberg to where he does get to like, like, I don't want to say Halloween havoc because this happened in July, but I mean, hell, if you do want to do like, like a two month story, like uh, of Goldberg trying to go, I mean, hell by that point, there were enough members of the NWO. He could have made it a two month story, but like, could you imagine the buy rate if at Halloween havoc, it's United States champion, the undefeated hottest thing in the business, Bill Goldberg taking on, Hollywood Hulk Hogan for the WCW slash NWO World Heavyweight Championship. That would have been that a would massive buy something. But yeah, yeah, it's like you said, the WCW was always, and this is actually a cautionary tale for AEW, although I think they're less concerned about trying to go up with WWE and just hopefully putting out a good show. I don't know. Some of their segments with, with them taking unnecessary shots at the WWE doesn't make uh, yeah, feel that Yeah, I know. Way. I think that's a little bit tongue-in-cheek and having a little bit fun. And I think there is kind of a rivalry, obviously. But, you know, I think they're in WCW, Eric Bischoff was trying to put Vince McMahon out of business. Like, yes. I don't think uh-huh. Tony Khan gives a shit about putting Vince McMahon out of business. That's fair. That's that. That's a good and point. And I, I, I also think Tony Khan realizes it's not realistic or reasonable to try to put Vince McMahon out of business. And that being your objective is going to put you out of business. And I think WCW, that's what got them in trouble. I think um, poor management and no, not just at the end with Vince Russo and uh, uh, bro and uh, uh, David Arquette being your world champion, man. And not just with Eric Bischoff kind of molding himself into a Mr. McMahon-like character and being a part of the NWO and and poor booking with that. I'm talking legitimate poor management. We're talking about like when they brought in, was it Jim Hurd who was the guy who ran Little Caesars? Ran WCW at some point? Yep. Uh, Jim Hurd wanted to, quote, change the game, so he banned and um, going over the top rope. And if anybody went over the top rope, that was an automatic disqualification. Jim Hurd was the man. You, you remember how we talked about how Ric Flair ended up in WWF for a while with the big gold belt? Yep. That's Jim Hurd's fault because he wanted yep. to uh, change Ric Flair's character into a Spartan named Spartacus. He wanted to give him a buzz cut and a and an earring. You like, don't change Ric Flair, damn do it. Do you realize how insane that sounds? Like 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 That's I, like asking that's like asking Stone Cold to go down to the ring 
Uh, pull up a lawn chair and drink a fresca. What? Here I am. I'm sober, Stone Cold Steve Austin. I'm here to talk to you about doing Tai Chi. What? I said Tai Chi. <laughs> Please, we got to send this to the Good Brothers because this needs to happen <laughs> on the next Talking Shop of Mania 3. Is sober Stone Cold doing Tai Chi? I'm sober. I'm sober, Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> <laughs> With that, and I still don't have no tape. Yeah, still I got no teeth. What? I said no teeth. What? My dentist is Glenn Kane Jacobs. What? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Ivan Yankum, DDS. Yes, now WWE Hall of Throwback. Famer, Fake Diesel. Dr. Ivan Yankum, DDS. Oh, yeah, that was another wrestling character that, oh my God. Fake Diesel. <laughs> and they fake Razor <laughs> You don't know, and this is not actually what he said, but this is how, as a kid, I imagine what he said is, you don't know who I am, but you know who I am. (laughs) But that's not actually what he said when he showed up at the Mall of America uh, on the first Nitro. Uh, Well, not not the first Nitro. You're thinking of Lex Luger showing up on the first Nitro of Mall of America. Uh, When Scott Hall showed up, that was in another southern town. As you see, it was a match with, I know Colonel... Robert Parker was out on the outside. I forget who it actually was, but you see this giant dude wearing a Canadian tuxedo, a.k.a. denim, head to toe, slowly walk down, and the crowd is like, what the fuck is going on? Oh, anyway. But but it, that, that was the fun of WCW, right? Is you kind of never knew what would happen in a good or a bad mm-hmm. way. Yep. It, Jim Hurd was also a piece of crap because he like took all the padding out from the side of the ring and made oh, him like God, take bumps no. out of the ring on concrete. Who wouldn't really want to work smart. for that? <laughs> you know, if they have concussions, they can't complain because they're not going to remember it. But that was that was the that was the problem of WCW is that it was always. Well, there's a, a management problem. I'm not saying like w, WWF was free of management problems, but the buck has always stopped with Vince McMahon. And even though in his later years, his judgment is sometimes suspect, the, the guy's not a complete dumbass, even nope. though I would portray him as such on most podcasts. <laughs> He's not as stupid as Vince Russo or Jim Hurd or... He, you know, he probably Eric Bischoff is the least dumbass person to probably run WCW, but you yeah. know, he had his faults. Uh, not to did. mention Turner management. So I think a combination of that, I think the fact that they just like threw money at anything probably hurt him as well and led us to this ominous date, 3-26-2001, Dawes, the last WCW. Yeah. Nitro. And and it's it's weird because leading up to what turned out to be the last Nitro. Now it's like this wasn't a shock that uh, this turned out to be the last Nitro because the week before featured uh, Eric Bischoff giving, I guess, a phone. I don't want to call it a State of the Union, but it was kind of a State of the Union. Uh, he he got on the PA system. He wasn't there, but he called in and the production team potted it up so that the entire audience could hear it. The home crowd could hear it. When he announced that uh, he and a group of investors had been trying to buy WCW, mm-hmm. but the Turner Network had pulled the, I guess, uh, guaranteed television time slot that came with it. And 
I mean, like, like I, I, I get why, why the investors pulled out at that point, because what's a, what's a wrestling company if you don't have a, a weekly national uh, way to broadcast and advertise it? I mean, yeah, you could put in the work uh, to, I guess, get it off the ground, you know, do indies and house shows and stuff like that. But at the same time, with the payroll that WCW had at the time, I don't think that was realistic. And like... This is something that I learned going back to the uh, latest episode of the Arn Show, again with the podfather, Conrad Thompson. By the way, Conrad, if you're listening, we are definitely willing to sell out. So holla at yep. you, boy. I will plug adfreeshows.com, and I will plug Blue Chew until the cows come home. But um, And we'll actually plan and do a good podcast. No, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I am not willing to uh, – to, uh, agree to that i've been no, podcasting the, the, for over a decade not once once i say have i put out a good podcast right, i'm not changing uh, now but yeah again you so you you, you set you set the stage right you're getting to uh the spring of of 2001 but hold on uh, hold on hold on what, what i was getting at with, with yeah. referencing conrad is i always heard that wcw sold for like two million dollars like jericho himself had talked about if he knew that uh, wcw was selling from anywhere between two to five million dollars that he and some other people would have put the money up to buy wcw but what arn said in this most recent episode of his podcast which by the way is way better than this one go subscribe and uh, download that but he he talked about how yeah okay the price tag might have been between two to five million dollars but there was still like 11 to 15 million dollars worth of uh i guess contractual obligations uh tied to this so um yeah, th- what, th- what 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 happened was when wcw was no longer going to be a promotion, the WWE was able to swoop in there and get the intellectual property and the contracts for pennies on the dollar. Yeah, but, oh yeah, absolutely. But, we definitely got it pennies on the dollar. But if Eric you know, if Eric Bischoff's group or a group of the boys wanted to buy WCW, okay, well you can get the rights to the business for this, but to keep it going is going to be another X million dollars in contracts because, mm-hmm. again, they gave stupid contracts to everybody. Oh, my God, did they? Yes, which which I think if we if we even touch on the invasion angle, I will get more into those contracts. Yeah, I think, we, you know, I think that should be its own podcast is we should do a podcast on the invasion angle. I don't, I don't okay. think All we right. need to touch on that. Uh, here today yes that will open an entirely uh, yeah oh, much yeah, bigger you can't do that you can't do that in 10 minutes um but you're getting to 2001 turner's talking about how they want to get the executives at turner aol time warner's talking about hey we want to get out of the wrestling business but it's your highest rated show yeah but we don't really make money on it because slim jims is the sponsor and like Calling cards. I remember one eight hundred collect and one eight hundred call right. ATT yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah, they were hawking all sorts. Ten ten three two one. Uh huh. Yep. So you know, it, and paying bukus of money. So now you have to pay these huge contracts to Hogan and the boys. But it's not cheap to go and take wrestling on the road fifty two weeks a year. Like, you know. I think it probably AEW is what half a million dollars a week that Turner puts up to produce television or something like that. I don't remember. I know that like Turner's paying like a in addition to giving them the TV time, they're actually paying for the production cost. Uh, AEW's not having to front that, uh, but 
it was all one and the same. WCW and Turner are all the same. It's just the money's, you know, in different columns on the on the ledger sheet for the bean counters to mm-hmm. move around. And th- yep, and, and that was something that Arn wanted to, uh, I guess, really emphasize because I know there's those reports out there that in their last year, WCW lost like sixty million dollars, and 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 he attributed a lot of that to just them moving stuff into the WCW uh, column. Now, now I don't know if that's true, but at the same time. Arn freaking Anderson knows way more about this than yeah, I do. But, so. so WCW's not in a good place. No. no uh, they end up being owned by Turner place. because, you know, uh, Ted Turner had eventually bought out Jim Crockett Promotions because Jim Crockett Promotions kind of overextended themselves trying to rival the WWF and uh, work with Mid-South and World Class to kind of treat is like the UWF or something they tried to create or any, any, anyway. Uh, and this other deal, and, and that got to be a mess, and that kind of set the stage for Ted Turner to own WCW, and then Ted Turner's no longer in control at his own uh, companies uh, with Turner, and they want to get out of the wrestling business. Eric Bischoff wants to keep it alive, and you mentioned that inf- you men- you mentioned that phone call, State of the Union type thing from Eric mm. Bischoff. So surreal. That NW that Nitro was good. Even if even if Eric Bischoff makes it work, right? Like he gets the deal to go through, he gets the investors, the news doesn't come out. Oh, well, Turner's not going to guarantee you the time slot. Okay, well, it's no big deal. We got somewhere else we can go, right? We can find another network or whatever. It's the same thing that happened to ECW, is they couldn't get another television deal. Well, after that after Polly dared Spike to throw him off the air. Well, after Spike <laughs> signed the con, after Spike signed the contract with WWE. Oh yeah, they yeah, gonna ha- yeah. They weren't like, going like, to have. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think I think TNT probably understood that 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 uh, that was a, a work shoot promo. Anyway, it was probably more shoot than work though, knowing Polly because that's just the way he is. Yeah, I was gonna um, say like he definitely had a reason to have the fire under him, but at the same time, like. Yeah, maybe yeah, don't yeah, dare yeah. your bosses to fire you because they always can. They couldn't get they couldn't get a TV deal outside of Fox Sports Net, and they wanted uh, ECW content five days a week. And can you imagine how hard that would be to produce? And uh, that would be impossible. Yourself? Like even as a fan as of old school ECW, their work rate could not last for five days a week. Five days a week, fifty week, fifty two weeks a year, whatever it is. That's two hundred something shows. Man, could you um, imagine all the bounce checks that Paul E would have had to send up? Oh Lord. <laughs> uh, but so because Bischoff, a couple years ago, Jericho did an interview with Dave Melter, and they talked about the rise and fall of WCW, and they talked about what happened when WCW goes to WWE, and that's kind of where we're going to end this podcast here in a little bit. Um. Even even if Eric Bischoff could have come through with the deal, with the money, right, to buy WCW from Turner and down the line he has the guarantee that he's going to have a time slot, this date still would have been significant because it still would have been the last Nitro because he was going to take it off the air. Yep. He was going to take WCW off the air for like six months. Go dark. Go dark and rebrand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were, they were going to come back with what I think it was a uh, uh, pay-per-view event called like – the Big Bang or something like that. The Big Bang was gonna be. They were gonna. They were gonna relaunch. It's you know, just kind. Of, it's it, it's like once we get through this pandemic, what The Rock is trying to do with the XFL brand because it still resonates with people. They were gonna relaunch the WW, WCW brand with the Big Bang, but that all fell through. 
because Turner wouldn't guarantee him a time slot and Eric couldn't get the money without the time slot, which makes a whole lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Pauly has talked about this. You got to have talent. You got to have capital and you have to have distribution to be a wrestling company. And if you're missing, if you're missing any one of those three, the, the chair falls over. I will say in this day and age, it might be slightly different because uh, the professional wrestling cockroach that just refuses to die, uh, TNA slash Impact Wrestling, at one point they were in between uh, television contracts. And what they did, I think, I think would be a decent uh, stopgap these days. They streamed exclusively online. Now, granted, yeah, you, the you, online you infrastructure do- was not set up for anything like that back in the day. But now nowadays, like I feel like maybe they would have had a better shot to at least keep their head above water before but yeah like completely unrealistic at that point imagine watching wcw and then think back in 2001 to the uh really fuzzy uh adult videos you were trying to download uh to watch when you were a kid when mom and dad weren't home and you were doing what you weren't Uh, supposed to be doing uh, brab i don't know what you're talking about i like what no not me i am a Good child. I have never. Are you done like the that. young bucks? You're a good Christian boy. <laughs> good if Christian my parents boys. are listening, yes. But anyway, no. In 2001, you didn't have the infrastructure outside of a television distribution deal. Yep. But I really, the alternate universe. That's another podcast. Let's we we need to write these down because this would be a good podcast. Could you imagine what would have happened if Eric Bischoff had successfully relaunched WCW? I don't um, <laughs> yeah, you would. Yeah, I, I think we all would have. They would have. Conti- I think they would have found a way to continue to challenge the WWF at the time. Even if look, even if Eric Bischoff, in a smart business move, finds a way out of some of those contracts and says, you know what, I don't necessarily need some of these guys, and I'm not even going to mention the names that he would cut because who knows who you keep and who you cut but you operate it like an NFL team. And okay, well, if we're going to, if Hulk Hogan's going to be our Patrick Mahomes, then we're just going to have to cut our all pro left tackle. That just is what it is. Bye, uh, uh, bye, bye, uh, Scott Hall or whoever that would happen to be. Kevin Nash. Holy crap. Did you just compare Patrick Mahomes to Hulk Hogan? God, poor Patrick Mahomes. In the sense of WCW in 2001, who are your Hall of Famers still? Your 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 well, hell your by cornerstones that point, are, it, are 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 still kind of Ric Flair and and Hulk Hogan. By that point, Hogan had been off WCW TV for I think almost a year at that point. Because oh, well, then at that point, then you find a way out of his contract, even if you got to pay him, you know, a quarter of what you owe him to sit his ass at the house. Well, you also have or, to remember he and Eze are like BFF, so. Yeah, so but I mean, like, you just yeah, let like, that happen, or or Easy E works out and said, "Hey, look, dude, we're you know we can pay you to sit at home if you want to go if you want to go call up Vince, you can go do that if you want to go back and do that, but we're gonna do something different here." Um, so that would have been interesting. It, what also would have been interesting, and here's where we're kind of bring this all for a full circle and bring it to a close. The last thing on my mind with all this Dawes with WCW is. Not only did Eric Bischoff's attempt to revive WCW fail, Vince's attempt actually did too because what they did with it was not 
what they originally intended, or at least that's what they say, because you never know with Vince McMahon. That might have been his original plan, and then one day he wakes up and he's pissed off at Ted Turner and he just craps on everything. Yep, that sounds very Vince McMahon. And also, you have to remember, <sighs> uh, history is written by the winners, as yes, we but- have seen so often when it comes to WWE. I hearken back to Sting finally showing up in WWE, and they make it about... <sighs> WCW versus WWF like a decade plus after mm-hmm. it happened. But I, with all that said, this is passed along from Dave Meltzer. And, you know, again, you got to get the information from who you can get the information from. But Meltzer kind of knows what's going on. Uh, so WCW gets acquired for whatever the price was. Pennies on the dollar. Uh, to. Two to five, what two to five million dollars is 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 what's always been thrown around. Pennies on pennies on the dollar at yeah. this point because Turner's just looking to offload it, so they don't care. Vince McMahon sweeps in there and buys it in bankruptcy court or however he got it, just like he got ECW. I actually think he got it at a police auction. So <laughs> really getting it for pennies on the dollar. Yeah, no WC, kidding. Yeah, the the intellectual property and the contracts, which is important because Vince McMahon can cherry pick who. He wants to bring on television, and the guys who are too expensive, he can just pay them to stay home. Well, no, they he, like, didn't, he didn't he didn't even have to pay them to stay home. They were on them sweet guaranteed Turner contracts. Yeah, so Turner's paying them to stay home. They're not putting them on WCW deals. But anyway, Vince McMahon kind of gets to pull the 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 puppet strings here because if he wants to negotiate with somebody, he can do it because he got all the money in the world at this point, even though the XFL failed. Um, oh my God! Could you imagine if he didn't decide to do the XFL? If he had the money that he spent on the XFL to buy out all those WCW contracts and make them show up? Yes. God. Oh my God! Oh, that right there is a podcast. We are going to rebook the Invasion Angle at some point. Yes, with the W, with the we're gonna we're gonna rebook the W the, the Invasion Angle with the, and WCW's rebirth as a WWE brand with the actual people wanted to see. Yes, uh, oh nothing my God, nothing against Buff the Stuff Bagwell and Booker T, who's a five time five time five time WCW champion. You only did it three times. You still owe me two. Yeah, well, whatever. Five time, <laughs> five time. There it is. Okay, all right, and I'm satisfied. <laughs> and, and, and the the mid card guys were the guys who WWE brought in because the guys who had the big guarantees WWE let them just stay at home and Turner had to pay him because that's who owed him the money that's who they were employees of so they this is amazing right like I told you this before we went on the air and I'm sure you probably knew this but like every time I say it, it's still amazing to me the original plan does do you know this for WCW was to take over what? That would be Monday Night Raw. So we talked about this a couple years ago. I thought that WWE might do this because they were going to do the brand split again. And I really thought, you know, when they created the what ended up being the Universal Championship and the WWE Championship and all that. And split everything off again. I thought they might resurrect the WCW brand on one of their television shows just to be different. They were really going to do that in 2001, 2002. Mm. Raw was going to become WCW. It was going to be WCW branded on Monday night. And the flagship program on the flagship slot. 
and I guess the storyline was going to be that Linda caught, caught Vince putting his uh, self uh, into people. <laughs> was this of the era where he made Trish Stratus bark like a dog? Yes. Okay, all Vince right. Vince McMahon yeah. was caught cheating <laughs> by Linda, and they had gotten a kayfabe divorce. And in the divorce, Linda got raw. So raw. what did Linda what did Linda do? Linda gave raw to Shane because Shane had bought WCW. As we all remember, Man. as the limousine oh pulled up in the rain in Florida at spring break with the free or very cheap beer on that fateful night in 2001. Which, by that the way, I, I own. I think WCW. that ended up being the very first Zoom meeting in history. So, you know. Yes. Mm -hmm. It was the very first Zoom meeting <laughs> where they were simulcasting on USA and, and TNT. That was just so still that so was surreal. what was supposed to happen. WCW would be Shane would kayfabe on WCW. Linda in the divorce from Vince would have gotten the Monday time slot and given it to WCW. The WWF show would have been SmackDown, which was on UPN, so they would have been fine because they were on broadcast television. And you'd have two brands, which kind of like what we got with SmackDown and Raw being split, but branded as WCW. I think TNT had the or TNN had the contract at the time, or they were fixing to sign that contract with TNN, and they said, "No, you can't do that. We want WWE branded Raw." So then you got the invasion, and you got the WCW matches on Raw, and all that sucked because Dawes. Where was the first WCW championship match on Raw? Oh, the hotbed of WCW country, Tacoma, Washington, ladies and gentlemen. And Booker what? T and who Booker T and whoever the hell he came out against was, and wrestled. It, it was Buff Bagwell. Like it, it was, was Buff Bagwell. It, it was wasn't Booker it? and Buff in the main event. They had Scott Hudson on on the call. They had um, Arn Anderson on the color commentary. They had Nick Patrick as the referee. They tried to make this as different and WCW as they possible. Had that they had that red and black WCW logo. Yep, exactly. That I was came up say, in the corner. Yep, yep came yep. out with uh, with WCW uh, graphics, uh, Booker, Buff, uh like, like it looked like the stuff you would see on Nitro. I, I, I want to say that they, they, they put black tape on the ropes to just like they had back in Nitro, but like the audience, they tried so they oh. tried they tried so hard. It's just like when they mm. tried to make you imagine folks here present day, like they tried to make Raw Underground this different thing at like the end of the show. That's what they were trying to do with WCW since, uh. Viacom wouldn't let them rebrand Raw as WCW. Well, it's interesting you throw out Raw Underground because both things, both uh, WCW and uh, Raw Underground, were things that Shane was at the helm of, and both of them uh, blew up like the Hindenburg. But, yeah, it was so bad. Stone Cold and Kurt Angle came out, beat the bejesus out of both Buff Bagwell uh, and Booker T, and literally through buff bagwell not only out of the building out of the wwe like uh that was the first and last time that wcw was featured well, you know, on I, raw 
they did that. I want to say they maybe tried it a couple times. I think it was one more attempt. Or no, wrong. I don't think so. Like, like I, I think that was it. And according to reports backstage, Vince hated it so much that he put that kibosh right there. Yeah. It's like it's like the network might have been putting pressure on him, but it's like, as we know, Vince McMahon is a crazy person, a successful crazy person at that. But at the same time, as soon as he gets a hair up his ass that he doesn't like X, X is got got. At that point. Yeah, and then that's where you had because around the same time ECW went out of business and WWE acquires that and oh you get my the invasion. Uh huh. And then for the alliance, like, oh. and of course you knew at the end the WWF was going to go over. Yep. Uh, with all that, although I loved to hate Paul or Paul Heyman telling Jr. he wasn't going to have a job every week. That was hilarious. Like like the the invasion and the alliance was really cool for about an hour until at the very end of the episode they introduced the new owner of ECW Stephanie McMahon it's like god damn it this is another story about the McMahons again yep. and not only is it another story about the McMahons they're they're burying ECW at the entire Stephanie McMahon Stephanie McMahon of all people is going to be the owner of ECW. Are you kidding me? Hey, I mean, we got to talk about the whole invasion, but and that's another <laughs> podcast. We're wrapping. Oh, up here. buddy, is it? I already feel my blood pressure yeah, rising yeah. Uh, to record it. Imagine, seriously, imagine, because I think what would have eventually happened, right? Even if you don't do the necessarily invasion, right? Like if you, if if it works with the network to let them brand one of the shows, maybe not Raw, maybe you do it on SmackDown. But again, Vince thought, okay, if we put them on Monday Night on Raw in the flagship time slot, it doesn't look like we're diminishing WCW and the WWF brand is going to be strong on anything. Imagine if that had happened. If, like you said, they hadn't wasted money on the XFL and some higher level talent from WCW I mean, just made their debut sooner. Just a handful. Maybe not even Hogan. No, no. Like, here's the thing. It's like, and we will get into this when we rebook the invasion angle. You get the you get the three core members of the NWO. You get Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, Hulk Hogan to come in. You get DDP, even though he came over on the cheap, but you don't book him as the Undertaker stalker. And then you get GD Sting at his height so we could have finally gotten that sting undertaker match at wrestlemania that some people are still clamoring for to this day like as as we've seen with both of them in the ring there's a reason they're both now in cinematic matches so they can be protected and uh seth rollins doesn't kill one of them hell probably both of them at this point but like 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 just those five right there would have changed everything and then you know what a year down the line Maybe six months down the line at the Royal Rumble. You know who comes out at number 30? Goldberg. Goldberg. Or like, heck, even even just a ima- like again, what like you don't you, you you don't have to go right like you don't have to go right away with Hulk Hogan showing up week one. Like imagine no, when all no, of a sudden out of nowhere, not. like si- like like three months into it, all of a sudden Voodoo Child starts playing. Everybody's like, what the hell's going on? 
Like, like if you wanted to do an invasion angle, you that would have been the smart move. Let the pawns that we actually got in the invasion angle come out, uh, rain chaos one by one. in the WWE uh, locker room, WWE television, everything going on in WWE. And after the after the battlefield has been, uh, you know, had some casualties, then you let the kings move out. And, and I don't even I don't even know that. You necessarily like. I don't know that the intent ever was it for it to be an invasion angle. I mean, it could have got to that point at some point where you wanted Ram, to rebrand come on, everything. Dude, WCW. No, 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 no. I'm I'm gonna step on your toes. I'm jumping in here. As soon as WWF bought WCW, like during the height of the uh, Attitude Era, that was the one thing that every wrestling fan every wrestling publication talked about dreamed about was the wcw versus wwf card like and after they were all under one umbrella they had to do the invasion they had to do i just i just wish they didn't I don't completely think they had to do, have sex with I don't, the dog i don't think they wanted to do it right out of the gate because why do you go through all the trouble of trying to get viacom to let you brand raw as wcw well and, and also we we have to remember the timing of this 20 years ago this was i think the monday or two mondays before wrestlemania 17 when vince was fighting shane at mania in a hardcore match and Mm -hmm. it just got rolled into a mcmahon storyline and that's like like i doing some research and thought for this podcast i have been thinking like what if this happened like in May or June or something away from a, a WrestleMania card that was already built and B a McMahon storyline where they're just going to turn. I mean, hell they did it with stone cold, Steve Austin, the rock big show mankind at WrestleMania that year, or excuse me at WrestleMania 17, um, where, where they literally just took four of their biggest players at the time and made it all about the McMahons. What if this happened away from a time when the McMahons were just like, Hey, look at us because we're the McMahons. Like, like I, I, like, I, I think it would have gone better, but at the same time, like hell probably couldn't have gone worse. Like if there could have been some secret alliance between like Easy E and Vince McMahon to help him get television down the line, and they go dark for like six months. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I or mean, w- it, it, or yeah. w- WWE doesn't immediately roll into how they rolled out WCW. Like if they, it awakens at some point. I think what you do is you. I think what you do is what they ended up doing with the brand extensions with Raw and SmackDown, right? You build it up to be very strong, and then you build a yearly event around a clash between WCW and WWE and not necessarily a quote-unquote invasion. But that's just me, because then you get two really strong brands, right? And, And you can do that for you can do that forever, and you get to bring in the lineage of, well, WCW can still have bash the beach and the great american bash and and halloween havoc and those brands are iconic and then hell clash of the champions turns into a pay-per-view and it's the wcw champion whoever the hell that is sting or whoever versus uh the rock for whatever you want to do and you get you get your you get your card every year once a year you get to see the wcw guys fight the wwf guys i mean like i would i would like 
And, and you can in have a, a draft world, yeah, or you can work. have it. You can have a thing where, you know, it's kind of things can happen and, and people leave the W quote unquote, leave the WWF to go to WCW and vice versa or whatever, when it makes sense for business. Cause at the end of the day, whatever's best for business. But I think it would have been interesting to see if they could have debuted the WWF version of WCW how they had wanted to, and if maybe they had done it in Georgia or South yep. Carolina or, hell, even Louisiana, Tennessee, in the South. They and then also, of course, if they would have had brought some bigger names over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely could have handled it better. But, I mean, this will always be a fateful day because whatever they've tried to do with WCW since, which admittedly isn't a whole lot, uh, today really was the last true day of WCW 20 years ago. Yeah, and, and, and it's a shame. I'll still never forget at the very end of the last Nitro, which, by the way, I was totally watching Nitro uh, because it was the last one. Of course, it wouldn't have mattered because it was simulcast on both Still can't believe I'm saying this raw and nitro at the same time. Vince McMahon comes out to pretty much dance on the grave of WCW. By the way, he legitimately fired Jeff Jarrett live on national television. In in this last episode of the Arn podcast, Arn talked about how uh, Jeff found out that he was being fired at the exact same time we, the viewing public, found out he was being fired. It's just awful. Like, yeah. Like, like, I mean, yes, yes, Jeff Jarrett, quote unquote, held Vince McMahon up for money. But at the same time, he worked without a contract. So he wanted to make sure he was going to be guaranteed his pay, which I think anybody would respect. Anyway, I'm not here to get into that. But when Shane McMahon came out and said, yes, the name on the contract says McMahon, but it doesn't say Vince McMahon. It says Shane McMahon and like that is just like one of those holy shit can you believe this is happening wrestling moments I own WCW and that was back when we liked Shane before he became the literal best wrestler in the world Captain uh, Sweaty over there it, it, it reminds you of some of that stuff that we've seen recently the forbidden door was open and Kenny Omega's going over to Impact and and Kenta's showing up to promote a New Japan match. And you, back in the day, you literally tuned in every week because you didn't know what was going to happen. And so I don't think we ever conceived it, but it was totally believable that WCW could get bought by Vince McMahon. He's the renegade billionaire. He does anything he wants. He gets anything he wants. Mm -hmm. And that Shane could actually swerve him. Like, it was believable back then. And it's kind of exciting now. And I think an homage to WCW, that an environment is being created where anything can happen. And you can have cross-promotion of wrestling events. And you get back to that point. Because I think for so long, the WWE tried to convince you you needed to tune in every week because anything could happen. And some really cool things have happened over the years. But without having any good competition, because impact doesn't count, because they don't know what the hell they're doing. Despite um, their best efforts, and and they despite their best efforts, they've and, had yeah. some really good uh, good matches and an amazing roster. I mean, look at current WWE right now: Bobby Lashley, AJ Styles, Drew McIntyre, Smojo on uh, commentary, all Impact stars. Yeah, yeah. Um, that it just 
you kind of lost that anything could happen because anything couldn't happen because if Vince thought it was stupid, it wasn't going to happen. And what if Vince thought it was good, it was going to happen even if it was crap. So I, I think that's amazing that, that two decades later, back on Turner, with an exciting roster of people, there are, there's a wrestling promotion that embodies a lot of the spirit of WCW. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think that even though obviously you and I are disappointed that WCW died in 2001 and what it did for the wrestling industry for a while and undoubtedly hurt WWF to not have legitimate competition, that in the end, because no doubt not only was he watching WWF because he can tell you about every match ever, and he was watching ECW and was a huge ECW fan. Tony Khan was watching him some WCW. Oh, and, yeah, was. and Cody Rhodes cut his teeth in the wrestling business, not necessarily on WCW programming, but watching his dad book it. And you can see that in AEW. So I think it's kind of cool that the WCW legacy, in a way, continues now with this, this new era and this new uh, federation yeah totally agree with you like i said earlier it's like i love the fact that we have wrestling back on the turner network and it does feel like it is very similar in the wcw vein i hope that aew will learn and has learned from the mistakes of wcw but like honestly at this point it's like i like this is what i want to close with and i'll answer the question first how do you feel about WWE buying WCW 20 years ago when it actually happened and 20 years later sitting in the here and now? When it happened, I thought it was a really great move because like I talked about, everybody had been dreaming about this possible crossover. I mean, like we lived through the Monday Night Wars where both sides were lobbing shots at each other, trying to one-up each other to get just one more tenth of a rating to say, I beat you this week. You already mentioned how Eric Bischoff's podcast is named 83 Weeks, and that is for the 83-week streak that they just rubbed the WWE's nose into the dirt and said, we're better than you, suck it. Because like, like I, I, like every wrestling fan at that point, had fantasy booked an invasion, maybe not even an invasion, just maybe a straight up WWF versus WCW card programs, whatever you want to call them. Like, like, like I was dreaming for that. And I'm not the only one because like I bought a ton of wrestling magazines back in the day. And they always talked about uh, these matches and how they would play out. Um, Looking back 20 years after the fact, and it's appropriate, A, not only because this is the 20th anniversary of the doors closing on World Championship Wrestling, the WWE Network, at least here in America, just shut down. And that was one of the biggest, I think, boons, in my opinion, when it came to WWE buying out WCW. They have the entire catalog. So if you want to go back and relive uh, the meteoric rise of Diamond Dallas Page going from a uh, manager goofwad to the hottest thing in professional wrestling, 
the real people's champion. Sorry, Rocky. It's DDP. Uh, you never see it coming. Bang. Uh, if you want to go back and see uh, Sting's transformation from Surfer Sting to uh, Brunette Sting into the Crow and, and, and the character of the Crow Sting grow, if you want to see um, uh, Billy Kidman go from being just a, a cruiserweight to being some dude that you know that smelled real bad just by looking at him in Raven's Flock to being booked as a heavy as a legit main event star when Russo was around you could but now all that stuff is on Peacock and I'll be honest it's like Peacock will I think figure it out but it's now kind of janky and uh, not necessarily the best user interface so the one thing that I was holding out saying Okay, I was cool with WWE buying out WCW. I can't even say that anymore. So like 25 years after the fact, or excuse me, 20 years after the fact, I kind of hate that WWE bought WCW. And we already talked about how history is rewritten by the winners. That is so much in effect when it comes to every one of the documentaries that WWE has put out. It's like, yeah, I mean, like I talked about how good the Monday Night Wars documentary series is, but you can tell, I mean, like this, you can definitely tell A, who's writing it, and B, you can definitely tell that side won. So it's like, it's it's a damn shame because uh, I truly believe that competition uh, brings everybody's best game to the table. And over the last 20 years, WWE has gotten complacent. Thankfully, we have something like AEW to, I guess, maybe try and challenge WWE again. So hopefully we'll see them try and actually give a shit. That would be great. But um, yeah, I no longer can say that WWE buying WCW is a good thing. I don't know if 11-year-old Will had an opinion on uh WCW being bought by the WWE uh WWF at the time uh because I was an 11 year old and you don't know, think about stuff like that even though again I was a, a fan of wrestling and kind of in and out watching here and there uh when I could I kind of thought it was cool I can remember that night in in Tacoma, Washington, when they tried to have the WCW matches, mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, what's going on with this? This is interesting. And then they did kind of try to do an invasion. I do remember eventually uh, going back and, and finding a way to watch uh, that Survivor Series match where it was the Alliance versus Team WWF. Yep, and, of course, all. I was rooting for Team WWF because, whatever, I was a WWF fan when I was a kid. I think if I probably would watch more WCW, it would be different. Well, I don't know uh, if it would have been different because by the time they got to the Survivor Series, uh, there was there was one WCW participant and one ECW participant, and then the other three members of a five-member crossovers. team. crossovers, yeah. Exactly, yeah. But I don't know if I had thought about that. I mean, obviously, I know now looking back on it was a significant moment. I don't know if I had a thought on it at the time because I was doing whatever 11-year-old Will was into at the time, and that might be – Hey, I'll watch randomly watch wrestling on this Monday night, and then I'm doing something else, and whatever's going on, you knows. But when you look at it back at it now, the th- couple things stick out to me. A couple of what ifs. I wonder again what would have happened if Eric Bischoff had been able to uh, keep WCW afloat, mm-hmm. and as a 
legit independent company. But and, and we talked about that extensively. And the other what if is what we talked about extensively here today as well. What if the WCW integration into WWF programming as a WWF brand? And you could say the same thing about their acquisition of ECW. What if that had been different? Yep, that right there. What like what if the, if 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 W if WWF buys WCW and they figure out a way to keep WCW branded programming going and then say, hey, that's successful. So a year into that, they launch a third show and instead of having to tune in and watch Sunday Night Heat and Velocity and and, and all these other jobber mat shows, uh, you got. Uh, two hours of WCW programming a week, two hours of WWF branded programming a week. You get an hour or so of ECW branded programming on Saturday nights on, on different channels. It's all owned by the WWE, but who cares who owns it because it's it's branded differently, right? It's not just a name on a TV show. I think that might have actually even worked out better than Eric Bischoff being in charge. And owning WCW with his investor group. I think both would have been very, very interesting. But I think in the long run, I would have been more interested. Even though, again, true competition is the best. I would have been more interested if the WCW integration into WWF had gone better. Because I think that certainly if it would have been successful, it would have been sustainable. Because Vince is going to put his charge behind anything that's making him money. But I think overall... <laughs> Uh, be, I think overall, looking back on it 20 years later, it, 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 again, the archive content's great from all these promotions that WWE bought up, bought up all over the years. But the, I, I can't say that the WWF buying WCW uh, was good for the sport. I think would have, what would have been good for the sport would have been Eric Bischoff and his group keeping WCW alive independently, but it would have been very interesting to see what Vince would have done uh, if he was allowed to do what allegedly he wanted to do, which was to create, you know, uh, brand half of his weekly programming as WCW. I will say this, like on the on the whole, like wanting to brand it their their way. It's like I remember listening to a Pritchard podcast like several years ago, and Conrad, again the Podfather, once again, please buy us, uh, uh, brought up like uh, debuting WCW in Tacoma, Washington, and Bruce Pritchard was very nonplussed about it. It's like why wouldn't we? Like 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 so so I I I'm not saying uh, that that. Um, well, uh, Meltzer Bruce, Bruce, was, was number one. Bruce Pritchard's a company jackwagon. Yeah, like like I he, was gonna he's say a, he's a yeah. he's a dumbass. Uh-huh. Too, I was gonna say one of uh, one of two things. One, I'm not saying Meltzer's wrong in this instance. Two, Bruce Pritchard carries Vince McMahon's water up every dadgum hill, which is just so damn disappointing. By the way, listen to every one of other uh, but that's Conrad the, that, podcast that, except that uh, Bruce thought Pritchard. process. Again, Meltzer's just recounting what he was told his exactly. rec- you know and that just creates a possible theory again the plan from the beginning could have been just to try to integrate WCW in this invasion angle and Vince didn't care if it went well or not cuz he wanted to crap down Ted Turner's throat but the problem is you know he's advised by a bunch of people like Bruce Pritchard so like 
again, as much as we hate, as as much as as much as we don't like Uncle Jay, like Jim Cornette would have been able to eloquently explain to you with a bunch of fucks mixed in there why it was a dumb fucking idea to fucking debut WC fucking W in Tacoma fucking Washington. But I I get that. But uh, this is a rhetorical question. Who who surrounds himself with yes men like Bruce Pritchard? Which, by the way, they even brought back Vince. another yes men and John Laurinaitis to be the head of talent's relationship. But uh, the other point I wanted to raise on this that I think you make a good point is if the invasion angle hadn't been just an abomination on the face of professional wrestling, I do think the invasion or the WCW buyout would be looked back on more fondly yes. but the fact that it was so botched not only the wcw side of it the ecw you took the other two most beloved names in wrestling during the 90s during the boom period of wrestling and you just pretty much mashed them together looked at it for like six weeks and then put it in the garbage like i i think that definitely has a way of coloring our view back on what happened at the and, and, turn of the century. And, and most definitely, if you do the invasion well, there is no doubt about it that that could have been, instead of, like I was talking about, okay, WWF has bought WCW. You have these, you, you do your invasion, you give everybody their fantasy they've always wanted, what would happen if WCW clashes with WWF. You let Vince McMahon have his victory and then you come back in a few weeks and somehow Shane McMahon from the ashes has bought WCW and ECW and surprise, surprise, the television network's willing to air it. That might have actually been the long-term way to do it, but that's a completely different podcast where we book, rebook the invasion. Yeah, that is a entirely if the different podcast. You're right, though. If the invasion goes well, we think that it's a good idea that WWF bought WCW and I guarantee you more comes from and more is used with both the WCW and ECW brand. I mean, I do want to say before we hit the door, it wasn't all bad stuff. Booker T went on to become yeah. a legitimate superstar, though I would argue he was already legitimate superstar as a five-time, 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 five-time WCW champion. Uh, we got to see Rey Mysterio take that step from being just the flippy-dippy cruiserweight dude to becoming a world heavyweight champion. Um Okay, and I guess apparently that's the end of it. I'm sure there's other stuff. Uh, I apologize. That's not a slide on anybody. But uh, we've just been going for, for, for a hot minute. So uh, we're going to wrap it up before we start talking about another podcast because I feel like we are this close to just opening a can of worms and we're going to be here for the next three hours booking the invasion angle. So as the host, I am cutting that ish yep. off rab where can the lovely listeners find you on the socials and in your day job hey so much and you can keep up with all of it i'm trying to do a better job of uh, sharing stuff out uh, on social media but uh my day job i'm the sports director at wcdt radio in winchester tennessee follow me on twitter at Rabwell. the station's at wcdt radio i have a daily general sports talk show we talk about everything from professional sports down to uh, high school sports when it's uh, newsworthy. Vols, Titans, Preds, Braves, 
Uh, anything going on in the world of sports that piques my interest uh, that day, I will uh, cut a promo about it from 11 to noon on the Off the Bench program. Uh, go search WCDT Radio as well and subscribe to the station podcast feed. Uh, you can go back and listen to episodes of Off the Bench. Also have a, a weekly uh, high school sports show where we talk nothing but uh, high school sports, and uh, that is syndicated around Southern Middle Tennessee. And again, if you subscribe to the WCDT radio feed, the station main podcast feed, in addition to all the other cool stuff that's on there, uh, you can uh, check out that Prep Sports Insider Show uh, podcast. And uh, I would appreciate that. Uh, listening to the podcast probably helps me more than you figuring out how to tune in to listen to it live. <laughs> Absolutely. Rab is cranking out good content on a weekly basis. Definitely check out Off the Bench. If not only for the great stuff that Will Rab does, just check it out for the uh, intro because you get to hear me call Bill Belichick a giant football nerd, which, by the way, thank you for that, buddy. Love it. I was just randomly putting stuff together one day, and I was like, <laughs> Dawes said that the other day, and it was funny. I'm just going to drop it in here. Well, and then, of course, here in a couple in a couple months, I'll end up updating that, and we'll, you know, you might not be on the intro anymore. It's kind of when the W W E every now and again updates the uh, signature at the beginning of the show. Yeah, exactly. As soon as anybody goes and signs with AEW, visitors like, God damn it, pal, we got to get them out of the intro. It's not then, uh, then now and forever. It's net now, never, and get the fuck out. Anyway, <clears throat> uh, follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash Landoz, L-A-N-D-O-Z. Uh, please go follow me. That's where you can uh, get at me 280 characters at a time. I also run a website, buttmunchchips.com, buttmunchchips. Sit on your button munch. That's where you can find really, 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 really outdated podcasts of uh, this fine podcast yeah, right here. I got, I got to say, like, I'm not I'm not uh, dogging you or nothing. Promote your stuff. I don't understand why we keep trying to get people to go listen to us doing bad near-fall radio episodes from, like, 2011. Well, the reason I do it, Will Rab, thank you for interrupting me in my Because you paid plugs. for the website. Yes, I get, A, I got you. because I paid for the plugs, and B, there might be somebody who's interested in wanting our thoughts on on a CM Punk and Brock Lesnar's match at SummerSlam like almost a decade ago. Oh my God, I'm so old. Anyway. Um, oh shit, uh, we are old. Yeah, like dude, yes. Time time is undefeated, much like gravity. But in lieu of that, I invite you to go to the iTunes store and search for this exact podcast near fall radio. Be sure you're, you're subscribed. And if you are subscribed, please uh, leave us a review. Remember five stars or GTFO. That really does help us uh, get more eyeballs and earballs and all the balls on the podcast and uh, go balls for that matter. Um, uh, I also appear on the uh, Monday morning monorail podcast, a podcast on uh, the house of the mouse in Orlando, Florida. Uh, Florida is apparently decided, Hey, guess what? COVID doesn't exist. So we're wide freaking open now. Thank you. Uh, Governor Ron on death sentence so uh we'll see how that goes everybody brace for impact uh and i also appear on the phil show news talk 98.7 woki radio station locally here in knoxville tennessee streaming 6 to 10 a.m eastern standard time at news talk 987.com also available on the iheart radio app and the news talk 987 app as well so rab as we hit the door any final thoughts on the legacy of world championship wrestling where the big boys played. I think to me, the, the outstanding thing now 
is, I think, again, as I've said, AEW kind of followed in its footsteps, but I also think it really, you know, it created a total genre of professional wrestling that we still see today, that Southern-style wrestling match. Plus, let's not also forget, uh, aside from The Rock and Steve Austin and DX, like the popular wrestling figures were were WCW wrestlers, Ric Flair, uh, the Horsemen, uh, Sting, stuff like that. The Those were all WCW new, originals. New, new, new world order. So I think it has. I think it has a a, a legacy that's going to live on because there's always going to be people who are going to remember that and go back and watch it and check it out. And then I also think it's inspired a lot of what you see in wrestling today. Absolutely. Um, buddy, it's been a fun conversation. I look forward to our next, I guess, you know, using a radio insider term, evergreen conversation, because it is nice to uh, talk about what is happening in the here and now on professional wrestling. But professional wrestling is one of those things that builds on its history. So I look forward yeah. to the next time we can kind of uh, step into the DeLorean and go back in time, so to speak, oh, and, uh, oh, and, and oh. talk on stuff. Yeah, we had some other Evergreen podcasts playing, but I guarantee you the next thing that we do is we rebook the invasion. Hey, you know what? I love it. Like, I believe me, as somebody who grew up watching WCW, as I previously laid out, I have opinions on the invasion angle. Well, got to tune in for those, uh, you know, I don't want to say next time, but soon. Yes. When we uh, sit down and have one of these fireside chats. Absolutely soon. And that is what we call a tease in the business. So for the Will Rab, I am A. Landon Doan. Thank you so much for joining us on the edition of Near Fall Radio. You've been great. We've been Near Fall. Thank you very much. appear to have lost Will Rab. Much like WCW, Will Rab has been canceled. Them boys are good. Yeah, they're good. They're good. I mean, I'm still whoop their ass, but they're good.